You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. It says this. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We know this is a prophecy from Isaiah about Jesus Christ. It's read a lot of times at Christmas time because we celebrate the birth of Christ, but there's so much that's said after that. And it says, in the government, everybody say government, will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Uh, that's a prophecy about Jesus. And I want to uh, tell you that right after it talks about him being born and a son given. It goes right to government. Why does it talk about government? Because God's a God of order. God has an order in which he does things. And he has a governmental system in heaven. And everything that's done in heaven, there's a shadow of it or a picture of it that happens on earth. We know it's perfect in heaven. That's why it's just a shadow or a picture on earth. And God has always chosen leaders to lead, and he, ex- he places an expectation on their leadership. You know, the two, the two leaders that w- that's talked about, that one that caused the fall of man, one that, that brought restoration of man to God, and the other one that fall- caused the fall of, God, fall of man and brought sin into the world, uh, the Bible says the first Adam, calls them the first Adam and the second Adam. And the first Adam, God gave authority. That's why he said through one man's disobedience, one man's rebellion, all men fell. Leadership matters. Leadership matters. Leadership is a serious, serious issue. You know, I've had people come to me and say, hey, should I partner with this person or partner with that? And I say, man, are they a Christian? And are, they, are you equally yoked with them? Because you're going to be co-leaders. And a lot of times those things don't work if you're not equally yoked. Otherwise, you're both, you're both, you love Jesus. You both tithe and honor God with your finances. You both want to do things with integrity and honesty. And, you know, if you don't have that, it's tough to have a partnership in a marriage. It's tough to have a partnership at any level. I also have people say, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to this organization or that organization. I always tell them, listen, you need to check the spiritual atmosphere that's there. I know a lot of us, and I worked in the secular world for over 15 years, and so I understand that it's not always Christians running the place. But, you know, you need to understand what you're submitting to and what you're coming under. Because leadership matters and has, it has a spiritual influence that's passed down throughout the organization. And it's really important that you understand where you're at and what you're doing and the leadership you're under. So why am I saying all that? Well, because government matters to God. Now, people say, Pastor Troy's political or this pastor's political or this thing or another. You can call it whatever you want to, but God created leadership. He actually created government. Government. He created government. He created leadership over people. Why? Because God does everything decently and in order. And in order to have, uh, in order for things to be orderly or in, in, and done properly, there's got to be leaders and followers and mid-level managers, and there's got to be a, an authority system in order for things to function. That's why he established authority in the home. First, the male, then the female, then the kids. That's the authority levels in the household. 
And so, you know, we have to understand that. And when things function according to God's word, things flow right. That's why God said, he said, when the righteous rule, when the righteous are in leadership, the people rejoice. When the unrighteous are in leadership, the people groan and moan. Well, I say we've had enough of that in New Mexico. Enough of that in Roswell, America. We, we need to elect people that are Christians and people that, that you know, they're not going to be perfect. They haven't been, lived a perfect life. Only Jesus lived a perfect life on the planet. They're not going to be perfect what they're doing. They haven't been perfect in the past. But their heart is perfect in the fact that they want to serve God and serve us. And so, man, we need to support those that rise up as Christians that say, hey, I'm running for an office. It is difficult to run for an office. It's really difficult. It gets ugly quickly. It gets, it gets to the ugly side of politics and government very fast. And so it takes strong Christian men and women to stand up and say, I'm going to be counted, I'm going to run, I'm gonna, I want to make a difference for my family and for your family. And we have three of those running in our church in this current election. I, you know, I never, yeah, we do. Thank God. We need to thank God. That they're willing to step up to the plate and take the heat and deal with it. It's hard work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of knocking on doors. And, you know, you have to raise money. And you have to do all kinds of things in order to, to compete. And, and so it's just a lot. It's a lot to take on as a family because people talk about you and people say things. And, I mean, it's just, it's just it, like I said, it gets ugly quickly. But they're willing to deal with the ugly in order to help us. That's a biblical principle. Jesus dealt with the ugly of our lives to help us, to save us. And so they're willing to step up and do that. And so I want to introduce all three candidates to you today. I'm introducing them in every service. And so in Ward 4, uh, the man that, that I've supported, that I support, you know, I don't tell anybody how to vote. You vote, you vote according to your own conscience. But, uh, man, if I was living in Ward 4, there's no doubt in my mind I would vote for Joe Green. Joe, will you please stand up? Joe has an incredible story, you know. Most people don't know it because he's so highly functional and he's just overcome so much because of the love of Jesus in his life that, you know, Joe was raised in and out of foster care uh, his, whole, his whole childhood. Uh, Sucking him met, his wife, uh, uh, his wife, they met in the world when they were out in the world, and, and, but they've, they've overcome that. They came to church on the move. They got born again years ago, over 20-plus years ago. They got saved, and now... To the third generation, it's impacted and changed the generations of Joe's family that had been negatively impacted before. <laughs> Joe's built a great business here in town from scratch. He and Sookie have worked so hard. He's put in so much work, and they've built a business. They understand the financial uh, obligations of running a business and running a home and making things happen in Roswell. And, uh, man, I think he would make an excellent councilman for the city council uh, for our city. Amen. Uh, the next person I want to introduce you to is running in Ward 5. Uh, you know, Carlos and his family have, uh, man, they've served in all kinds. of. He's coached soft, softball, girls softball forever, coached his daughter. He's helped her coach. He's worked in our public schools. He works at the university now. He's done so many things. He loves our community. 
Carlos volunteers at 180. He's done that for years and years and years. They didn't start last week so they could get elected. They've been doing that forever, probably before he ever thought about running for any office. They've just are servants. He and his wife, Val, serve. His daughter serves. Their family serve. They love our community. They, most of all, they love Jesus, and they want to serve us in Ward 5. Uh, I want to introduce to you Carlos Marujo. Please, Carlos, stand up. His daughter, Rebecca, came to church and got saved, and man, they had to, they drug Carlos kicking and screaming, but he came one time, but he, he came one time and has never left. He never left. He, he got right with the Lord and never left. Been years, how many years now have you, have you attended church here, Carlos? 14 years. 14 years ago, he came once, never left the church. The next person, you, many of you know him, he he runs Let's Play Entertainment. He's built a business here. He's been a blessing to church on the move year after year after year after year. He loves our community. Uh, he's running for school board. Uh, and, and the reason he's running is, is because there was a vote on our school board. And thank God our school board, Ryan French and those that serve, they voted four to one to not allow boys to go into our little girls' restrooms and our wives' restrooms. But the one vote to allow them to go into our restrooms was the person that he's running against. And he challenged it. He said, what's going on? Why would you vote for that? Uh, and and uh, she basically challenged him, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to step up to the plate, and I'm going to put my time and energy while I'm still running a business and leading my family I'm going to run for the school board because this is not going to happen with my daughters and the other daughters of our city. And so I'm so grateful he's running. This is Sergio Jimenez. Sergio, please stand up. Let's thank him. For... Thank you. Thank you to all three of you and your families because I know it's a family deal. I mean, you all got to jump in and go to work and, and do all those things. And, I, you know, I, I'm not ashamed of this at all. You know, Julie and I try to give and we try to support not just with our words but our finances. And we, we want to be a blessing and we want to do things that, that lift up uh, uh, men and women that love Jesus. And, you know, we thankfully, we have the sheriff has run and, and a member of our church and won. Uh, Judge Mason ran and won. Cindy Fuller has run, run and won. And what started all that was Pastor Savino, who ran for city council and won many, many years ago. He kind of started that movement in our church because he felt like we needed to make a difference. And all of these that have run have said the same thing, many of them reluctantly reluctantly uh, said, man, I didn't want to do this, I, uh, but I believe God put it in my heart to do, and I'm not going to disobey God. And now they're serving our community at so many different levels. And so I'm thankful to all those that have run, even those that have lost. I just thank you that you stood up. At least you stood. Amen. Amen. At least you stood. And so, and thank God for those that have, that have ran and won. Uh, that have been members of our church, and, and God wants to impact the, the city uh, and impact the influencers of our city, uh, that they set a spiritual precedent that we're going to honor God in Roswell, America. We're going to honor God here. And we're going to honor his word here. Listen, listen to me. 
Man, I, I've seen miracles happen in, in, in the Bible of governments shifting and changing. God has raised up leaders and brought down the unrighteous in kingdom, in nations, in cities. Oh, man, he's done major things in cities. In the city of Nineveh, where he sent Jonah, where he had that fish throw Jonah up on the beach because Jonah was disobedient. But he finally got his heart right, threw him up on the beach, and Jonah ministered, and he ministered to the king. And when the king gave his heart to God and declared that there was only one true God, a 100,000 Ninevites gave their hearts to God. And he tore down every idol in the city because leadership matters. John Maxwell, one of the, the leaders of all leaders in our world today, coined the phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership. All of us that have been under bad leadership know what happens when there's bad leadership. And all of us that's been under good leadership knows, man, good things happen when good leadership is there. Bad things happen when there's bad leadership. And God wants to lead us. He's leading us someplace as a church. And where he's leading us is to believe in this, that God, that he is the God of the impossible. That when man says it's impossible, when it looks impossible, when you believe it's impossible, it is not impossible. Jesus said all things are possible to those who believe that God can do the impossible. All things are possible. He didn't say some things. He said all things. And God does various types of miracles. He does healing miracles. He does deliverance miracles. He does protection miracles. He does, he does, he helps people escape from problems miracles. He does leadership miracles. He does, he, man, he, he, he does all different types of miracles. He still storms miracles. He does all kinds, he does provision miracles. I mean, he said he fed 5,000 plus, 4,000 plus. He had Peter catch a fish and get coins to pay their taxes. Maybe we ought to go to Lake Van and fish some more and see if God can give us, pay our taxes. Dig up something out of Lake Van, you know. But he, I mean, he does provision miracles. He does, he does, you know, he multiplied the, the, the meal in, the, in the, the oil for the widow woman to feed her family and to feed uh, the, the great prophet Elijah. I mean, he does provision miracles. He does, he does, there's, there's not a thing that you can name in life that pertains to family, that pertains to our children, that pertains to our jobs, that he has not done some kind of miracle in the Bible. And he wants us to believe that he's the God of miracles. He wants us to believe it. Acts 14, this, these miracles just, there's just miracle after miracle after miracle. Acts 14, starting in verse 8, it says, In Lystra, Paul and Barnabas encountered a man who from birth, everybody say from birth, had never walked. You know, some of us have had children born with a birth defect of some type or another. Or maybe you were born with some type of defect. And whether it's here in this room or those watching online, man, I, I don't want you to give up hope. I don't want you to give up hope. It says this man, this, 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 this is not a child anymore. He's a grown man now. So he's, he's been He's had this crippling disease from birth. He was born with it, and he's lived with it all the way into adulthood. But God was not finished. God was not finished with this man's life. And he wasn't finished with God. Listen, listen to what happens. He listened carefully 
to Paul as he preached. You know, there's all kinds of listeners in a room. You know, I know when, when, when Julie and I were, were married early on, you know, she would, I would be watching sports a lot of times. If I watched TV, I was watching sports or news most of the time. And I'd be watching something, and Julie would say something to me, and, and she would say, did you hear me? I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard you. And she'd say, I don't believe it. Tell me what I said. And I would word for word tell her. And it would irritate her. It would frustrate her. And, she, and I'd say, is it not enough that I word for word can tell you what you said? She goes, no, it's not enough. I want you to pause the TV. I want you to look at my face. I want you to pay attention to me. It's not enough that you can quote it. I want you to pay attention to me when I say it. You know, I was listening, but I wasn't always carefully listening. And in this room where Paul is preaching, there are people that are listening. And just like in this room, and some of you are thinking about, man, I'm eating at uh, McDonald's today after. I'm, I, don't, I, got, I got some beans in the crock pot today, man. I, you know, some of you are listening like that. Others are, others are listening like, man, I can't believe my husband did that this morning. I can't believe my kids. That kids made me so mad this morning getting ready. They haven't come to church. They're dragging around. I had to wake them up four times. Some of you are thinking about Monday. Man, Monday. Golly, I got stuff going on tomorrow. I, some of you are thinking, man, I can't wait to get home, watch the Cowboys lose, and take a nap. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be such a good day. Oh, Lord. Yeah, just Cowboys lose. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Wasn't carefully paying attention there for a moment. <laughs> I wasn't carefully listening right there that moment. I mean, some of you are thinking about watching the football. I mean, there's so many, but some of you are carefully listening because some of you need something from God. This man needed something. So he wasn't listening. He wasn't casually listening. He needed God to move. You know, it's amazing when we need God to move how much more careful we are to listen. That we all of a sudden are in our Bible. We're in our Bible. Man, I, I'm going through this. I'm in my Bible, Pastor Troy. I'm reading. And that's a good time to do it. That's a good time to do it. Can I tell you when the best time is to do it? It's every day. L listen, God said... Love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. He said, this sums up the entire Bible. And love others as you love yourself. You know, church family, you're either going to need a miracle from God, a move from God, or you know someone that needs one. And so we should be, if we love others as we love ourselves, when something happens to us, we're in the Word. We're praying. We're on our face at 3 o'clock in the morning. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing that for somebody else too? The Bible says pray for others to be healed and you will be healed also. There's a principle of God here that he wants us all to get, that the early church in Acts, got, they got a hold of this. That there has to be, there needs to be a unity among the body of Christ. I know people in this room that need miracles. 
I know them. Not just miracles of healing, miracles of provision, and miracles of, of, of radical transformation of relationships. And I know people that have children that are so lost, they're on the streets doing drugs. They're, on, they're so lost. They're so addicted. They're, they, they drive around and see their child waking up, laying on the sidewalk. They need a miracle. And I'm uniquely aware of so much need. I read it constant. I get texts. I, I got two or three texts. Pray for this today. Pray for that today. Pray for this. I got all this stuff just this morning when I woke up. I checked my phone somewhere around 7 a.m. this morning. And, but I was already awake and getting ready. I was already finished. And yet, I, when I finally checked my phone, there was just, will you pray for this? Will you pray for that? And I'm, I'm honored to pray. And I pray over every single circumstance and situation. But I'm telling you, either you or somebody else needs a miracle right now. And God wants us to start living like that. You know, when he understands we're going to do normal stuff, we're going to go to work and eat dinner and, you know, to sleep. And, you know, he gets it that we have normal, everyday stuff we do. But what do we do with the extra time that we have? Man, I, know, I don't know if, if I asked every one of you in this room, do you want to see God move supernaturally, supernaturally in your life? I think everybody in here would say yes. Everybody online would say, oh, absolutely. I want to see God do something supernatural for me. But are you listening carefully to him? This man listened carefully. Not, you notice it didn't say casually. It said carefully. Listen to what he got. Listen to what happened. He listened carefully as Paul to Paul as he preached. All of a sudden, Paul discerned that this man had faith in his heart to be healed. Because he was listening carefully to God and hearing about Jesus Christ, the miracle worker, the Son of Almighty God, raised from the dead, he's like, wow. And he's like, I believe in this Jesus. I believe if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. And Paul discerned it. He's like, man, that guy right there, I can see faith. You know, sometimes I can see faith. Sometimes I can feel faith. I know when I'm in faith and when I'm not in faith. And I can see it and, and recognize it on other people too. I've walked away from praying for some people. I'm like, oh, Father, please get them in faith. Because they asked for prayer, but they're not in faith at all. They're desperate. They need a move, but they're not in faith. They're not in faith. But Paul discerned. This man got in faith because he carefully listened to what the Word of God was saying, what the Spirit of God was saying. So because he, he discerned that, this man had faith to, in his heart. You notice it wasn't in his head? It was in his heart. Every word, you got to pay attention to every word that God speaks. Every, every, every verb, every noun, every pronoun, every adjective, Every connecting word, everything matters to what, when God speaks it in his word. And those things matter. So he said, Paul said to him, so he shouted, you. And you know he got his attention. You, you, you. He shouted, you. And I'm sure he's like, me? Yeah, you. In the name of our Lord Jesus, stand up on your feet. The man instantly jumped to his feet 
and stood for the first time in his life and walked. Come on now. Because he carefully listened. Because he was carefully listening to what the Spirit of the Lord was saying. He got faith, not in his head, but he got it in his heart because he carefully listened. Man, when you need God to move, you need to carefully listen. But I tell you, the time you train for when the times you need God to move, when you need miracles and trouble comes, you need to train in peacetime. Our soldiers train in peacetime. They don't wait for the war to break out and say, okay, we're going to war and we'll do some training on the battlefield. That's going to cost a lot of lives. No, you train for battle before the battle starts. So the time to carefully listen is right now. Because somewhere in your life, in those you love and care about, and those around you, you're going to need a miracle. You're going to need the God of the impossible to show up and do something. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Go with me to Acts. You're right there in Acts 14. Go with me to verse 19 and 20. Another thing happens here. This is crazy cool. It says this in verse 19. Same chapter. Some of the Jews who had opposed Paul and Barnabas in Antioch and Iconium arrived and stirred up the crowd against them. They stoned Paul and dragged his body outside of the city and left him for dead. Can I tell you something about stoning back then? They were professionals. They had a stoning spot. They had rocks already set up. And man, they were ready to literally rock and roll somebody. And they were good rock throwers, man. They, had, they were professionals. They knew how to kill somebody stoning them. You know, you can hit them in the side or the leg, and that's going to break bones and hurt them. But, man, if you want to kill them, you hit them in the head. And so they're aiming for his head, and they've now knocked him unconscious, and they stone you to death. So Paul gets stoned to death for the cause of Jesus. But something happens. In the next verse, in verse 20, it says, When the believers, everybody say, I'm a believer. So the believers encircled Paul's body. Why why do you think they circled up? To look and go, man, Paul's dead. Let's circle up. No, they they circled up to pray. They circled around his body, and they began to pray for Paul. And it wasn't Paul. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Mark. It wasn't Luke. It wasn't Peter. It was just the believers. It was just the believers that got together and circled around him. They got in faith together, unified in faith, and they prayed for Paul. Paul can't pray for himself. He's dead. Now you need someone else to pray. So when the believers encircled Paul's body, he miraculously stood up. Paul stood and immediately went back into the city. I love his response. You stoned me to death in that city. You drugged my body out, and you threw me out. I'm sure they just heave-hoed him like, Threw his dead body out there. Believers pray for him. He gets soup. He gets healed, guys. You can imagine what his body was like after being stoned. B- bones broken, bruises. He's got concussions. He's got. He's dead. They beat him to death with rocks, and now he stands back up, and he's miraculously raised from the dead and totally healed. If he wasn't totally healed, he wouldn't have been able to walk back into the city. They had to carry him back into the city. So his body is totally restored. And he walks back into the city. I'm sure that put them on freak-out mode. That kind of looks like the guy we just stoned to death. No, nah, it is the guy. I love his response that because they dishonored God, 
because they, they wanted to kill the word of God in that city. Paul said, you didn't kill it because I'm back. Miracle after miracle after miracle happens in the book of Acts. Miracle after miracle after miracle happens around Jesus Christ. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. This is so powerful. And I can tell after I talked about listening carefully, this place got quiet, man. You know why? Because you, you're going to need a miracle. You either need one now or you're going to need one. I want to encourage you, person after person that gets healed in the Bible had been sick for 18 years, 12 years, lifetime. One man was 40 years old when he, uh, and he was paralyzed from birth. He, he waited 40 years for healing. If you have a child or you've battled a sickness or disease your whole life, you've battled some kind of crippling disease or, or, or some kind of malfunction in your body that took deformity in your body, do not give up. Do not give up. That man was 40. That man was 40 when he walked. He was 40 when he walked. Do not give up. God is the God of the impossible. He did miracles. He does miracles. And he'll do miracles. He is not done yet. Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 and 22 say this. 20, I wrote that wrong, 22 and 23. Mm. Actually, just to start reading verse 23. It says, Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the providence, province of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, preaching the wonderful news of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. Every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people. Every kind. His fame spread throughout all Syria. Many people who were in pain and suffering with every kind of illness, how many, what kind of illness? Were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics, and those tormented by demonic powers were all. Everybody say all. All, all set free. Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. All. Everyone. Some people say, it's not God's will to heal everybody. Tell that to Jesus, because he must have got it wrong. But it doesn't just say it in Matthew 4. Look at Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. See, these are the scriptures you need to know. Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17 say this. That evening, the people were brought to him, many who were demonized, and by Jesus only speaking a word of healing over them, they were totally set free from their tor torment. And everyone who was sick received their healing. In doing this, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He put upon himself our weaknesses, and he carried away our diseases and made us well. It was prophesied that he would do that for everyone, that he would carry all of our weaknesses, all of our, all of our diseases in his body on the cross. That's why he was tortured. That's why he was striped 39 times. That's why his beard was pulled. All of that was done. All that torture, his death and blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. But the torture he endured was his body was broken so that we might be healed. That we might be healed. And he did it for everyone, all of them that they brought. 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. When they accused Jesus of casting demons out, casting demons. See, you have to understand, the Jews understood that sickness and disease is from the curse. It's from the fallen man. And so we have to battle sickness and disease because we still live in a fallen world. But those who know Christ and have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that he's the healer, he's gonna, he reverses the curse. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's always wanted to do. So he's casting demons out, and they said, you're casting out demons because you are Satan. And Jesus looks at him like, man, you guys are so ignorant. A house divided will fall. Satan doesn't cast out Satan. Why would he do that? Jesus cast out demons because he was, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he loves us. He healed sickness for the same reason. So why do I say that? Because some people say God puts those sicknesses and diseases on us. That he causes it. Can I tell you? Sickness and disease has happened to multiple people in the Old Testament. And it all happened because of sin. Sin opened up door for sickness and disease to come. And, and, and not just that. Sometimes sickness and disease in the New Testament, it is talked about that came on people because it is a direct attack of Satan on our lives. It's an attack. You didn't open a door. Satan just attacked you. Either way, Jesus healed them all. Whether they opened a door or not. He said to some, you're healed now. Go and sin no more unless something worse comes on your body. He said to others, they, one, one person, the, the apostle said, this man's crippled. Why is he crippled? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus said, neither. Neither. Otherwise, sin didn't open this door. Satan just attacked this, this man. And I'm going to set him free. And Jesus healed him. He said it was for the glory of God. So God would get glory. The Satan thought he was going to win and defeat this man, but God turned it around and healed him. And now this man is testifying to the goodness and mercy of God because that's what his glory is, his goodness and his mercy. Our God is a God of miracles. It says he healed them all in Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 12, 15, Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 14, 34 through 36, Matthew 15, 30 and 31, Matthew 19 and 2, Matthew 21, 14, Luke 6, 19. Multiple times does it say he healed everybody and delivered everybody that was under the oppression or possession of the devil. He's a God of miracles. He did it for all of them. He does it time and time and time again. He's also a God of miraculous salvation. We've talked about the centurion who had a vision, and Paul had a vision, and, or Peter had a vision, and the centurion had a vision of going to get Peter and bringing him to his house, and Peter had a vision of going and ministering to somebody that was unclean. And so the visions matched. Peter shows up to this man's house, and while he's telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in other tongues, and Paul, Peter's like, my gosh, this is so supernatural. We, we've got to baptize them in water now. There's two baptisms. There's baptism in water and baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, they experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they, they experienced baptism in water. 
And he bat- So he baptized them after they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He baptized them in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they got supernatural. His whole household, he gathered everybody. His servants, his soldiers, his family members, they all got born again supernaturally in one moment. God does miracles of salvation. Where in a moment your life has changed. The first time I heard the gospel preached, the first time that I actually heard the word of God preached in its, in its context, in its proper way, and I heard John 3.17 that said, God did not come to condemn the world. Because all I heard from the church I attended was condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Which is true. Because of Adam's sin, we're all born into sin, and we're all already condemned. But I never heard John 3, 17, that Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. You know why? Because we're already condemned. He doesn't need to kick us while we're down. He said, I came to save you. When I heard that, I'm like, all I'd ever heard was I was condemned. I never heard that Jesus, I thought Jesus did come to tell me I was condemned. No, he came to, he came to save me from the condemnation I was already walking in. And I got supernaturally saved by one verse. And some of you know the story. I was there. I was at church for every wrong reason you could possibly think of. I did not go to church looking for God. I was not looking for salvation at all. At least not that day. There had been times in my life that I cried out and I would yell at the sky. And I would say, if there's anything up there, come, show me. I didn't know if I was talking to aliens, Martians, I, I really, in my mind, I, I thought of just a Martian ship was going to show up, or I didn't know what was going to show up. But there was times I'm like, there's got to be more to life than this. And I, and, and I went to church for every wrong reason. I had no right reason to be there. But I heard the word, and God supernaturally saved my life that day. That day, I got saved. I believe it was a miracle of salvation that that happened to me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's looking for a people that will carefully listen and dedicate their lives, not just to praying for themselves, but praying for others. Praying for others that they get a miracle too. That they get miracles in their home, miracles, miracles upon miracles. And that will spend time, everybody say time. That will spend your time here and spend time every day saying, God, I've been saying this ever since I walked. I'm like, God, you're a God of miracles. We need a miracle in our state government. We need a miracle in our cities. We need a miracles in New Mexico. And I've prayed ever since then. I've said, God, I need miracles in my house. And my brothers and sisters in Christ need miracles all over this state. I lift up every one of them. We prayed for miracles. People sent uh, prayer requests in. And you still can on somebody pray. Send prayer requests in. And I prayed over every one of them. And I've heard testimony. I'm hearing testimonies back. Miracles happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. And God's still doing that. He's still the God of miracles. He's waiting for a people that will listen carefully and say, okay, God, I get it. Going through my day-to-day stuff, man, I'm going to go through my day-to-day stuff, but I'm going to spend some time with you every day praying and believing for not just miracles for my house, but miracles for those around me. 
Miracles for other people I care about. Miracles for my brothers and sisters that I don't even know, but they're my family. They're in your family, and they need a miracle too. God said to pray for men everywhere. There's not a day goes by I don't say, God, I pray for every human being on the planet. You told me to. I pray they all come to know you. And I pray for miracles for my brothers and sisters around the world because I know they need some just like I do, just like we do. Listen, if you'll close your eyes for just a moment. Online too, just close your eyes for a moment. And just remove all the distractions from your life for just this moment. And carefully listen. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I'm not saying that because I wrote that. He wrote it. He said it. He said, I am the door and I'm the only door that you can walk through to go to heaven. I'm, he's the only door to get to God. And he opened that door for us that we could go to heaven when we die and leave this life. We go to heaven forever. Instead of eternal death, we get eternal life. And he's the, he's the only way to live in any kind of life with integrity, any kind of honorable life, any kind of life that really matters. Jesus said, I came to bring life and life abundantly. He's talking about this life and the next. He wants to give you a life of destiny and purpose. Serving him, serving his kingdom. But this is the deal. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not stepping down from his position of authority. And he, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the God of the universe came in the form of his son and died for my sins and yours. He surrendered his life for us. So he's asking you and I to do the same thing. This is a covenant. That means everything he has is mine. Everything I have is his. He laid down his life and he said, my life is yours. And he's asking me to do the same thing. He's asking you to do the same thing. Lay down your life for him just as he already laid down his life for you. So it's, this is about surrender. Man, when I heard Jesus loved me, he just didn't come to beat me down and condemn me. That God hated the sin I committed, the damage I'd done to others and myself. He hated it, but he didn't hate me. He loved me and wanted to save my life. I jumped on board. And I want to encourage you to do the same. You're looking for something. Maybe you're looking to meet a guy or a girl at church. Or I know people have come to our church for all kinds of reasons. But for whatever reason you're watching, for whatever reason, whatever reason you're here, He died to save you. From a life without meaning and purpose in this life. Died to save us from eternal death and hell forever. And he, and he didn't just save us from something. He saved us to something else. A life of meaning here. A purpose. Not perfect, but really good. And a life forever in heaven. So if that's you and you've never prayed that, just like I hadn't, many of the 
men and women in this room had not before they heard about the love of God, the mercy of God that He's extending to us right now, extending to you right now. And I'm going to say this to you. Mercy's in the land of the living. Once you die, it's too late. This is your chance. This is your choice. This is your opportunity right here, right now. And if today you would say like what I said 42 years ago in church, I said, I want to know this Jesus, this one that came to save me, because I know I need to be saved. If that's you, we want to pray with you right now. Or maybe it's not your first time. Maybe you know God, and you've run away from home. You know, my children can run away from home. That doesn't stop them from being my kids. And you've run away from home, but that doesn't stop God from loving you and Him being your Father. But He's waiting on you to come home. And you know you need to. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you're you're running home. Come home today, right now, and come home to stay. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you're here to stay. And you're not going to run away from Him when you fall anymore. You're going to run to Him. Not away. So if either one of those are you, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Here's the first one. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand in this room and say, it's me, I need to get right with God. And online, I'm asking you to send us a message on that message board and say, it's me. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. And then all together, we're going to pray together. That's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do. So here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high and say, it's me. Thank you, 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 thank you. All around this room. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else want to join them? Just put your hand up quickly. Come on, you can do it. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? All right, let's pray together. Let's pray together, church. Let's pray with those online, too. Say this with me. Say, God, I believe You are God and God alone. And I believe you love us. You didn't want to lose us in this life and especially the next. So you sent Jesus and he died for our sins, my sins. And you raised him from the dead and he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask you in the name of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins and heal those that my sins have hurt and heal me for the hurt I've caused myself. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I surrender my whole life to you. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to serve. Teach me how to live life and life to the full in this life until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for how good he is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.